You're listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. To find out more about the Whole Vineyard Church, go to wholevineyard.co.uk. Well, good morning, everyone. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. One verse. Didn't want to get anyone up to do the Bible reading for one verse. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So Simon Ponsonby, our guest speaker, sadly cancelled, and then I got David Flowers, who's about my fifth choice, um, our area leader. Oh, we're recording this, oh dear. Um, I don't think he watches us online. Uh, and sadly, uh, over the weekend, he got COVID. So, here we go. What is God saying in all of that? Well, probably absolutely nothing. And life happens and people get ill. Or maybe he is saying something. And um, a few people have actually messaged me from outside the church this uh, last few days to prophetically share about a move of the Holy Spirit among us. And interestingly, uh, early on this week, I'd, uh, I'd, I'd written a few notes, a, a new talk regarding the Holy Spirit uh, and, and his power, uh, and shared some of those thoughts at one of our midweek gatherings uh, in the um, HU5 area in the Methodist Church there. And, um, and so I'm going to speak today about the, the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to share for about 20 minutes, and then we're going to get into some ministry and, and praying for one another. And I want to leave plenty of room to encounter the Holy Spirit. Now, when I talk about encounter the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit is to be encountered. He is to be encountered. He is to be met and experienced. We as a family, most years, we love to go to the Lake District, stunning, beautiful place. And a few years ago, I'm a bit sad like this, but I watched a documentary about the Lake District whilst being in the Lake District. <laughs> and there's a photographer on there talking about how uh, to get the most perfect photo, perfect picture, sometimes they'll weigh up a top of a mountain for hours and hours and hours, and what they call that is a decisive moment. They're waiting for that decisive moment to get the perfect photo. And as I like me, as I'm sure as you look over your life, you'll have had many decisive moments. Here's the thing, when you encounter and experience the Holy Spirit, it is a decisive moment. You know about it. It is an event. The living God is to be experienced. Evangelicals will talk um, more about receiving the Holy Spirit at conversion, when you become a Christian, and a, a lot of their uh, emphasis is based on the teachings of, of Paul. Pentecostals uh, will often talk of a, a secondary experience, a subsequent decisive moment, a, a, a baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that is um, based on a lot of what we read in, in Luke and, and Acts. But the vineyard, uh, we take a canonical view of Scripture where we, we try not to elevate one part of the Bible over another. 
We take um, a best, a both-and view of these things. And in other words, we believe that when we encounter the Holy Spirit, it is both a simultaneous experience, but it can also be and should be a subsequent experience. We're after everything, not just one or the other. We're greedy in the vineyard. And, um, uh, but the reality is, is that whatever happens, whatever language you want to put to it, there was and is a moment. More than that, and more likely, there's lots of moments, lots of decisive moments, not just one, plural. Personally, I could spend all day talking about um, the amazing ways I've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit, often so enriching and timely uh, in, in so many different um, stages of my life. Uh, and if I asked many of you this morning, you would say, yeah, it's, uh, it's been like this for one person and like that for another. It's been diverse in your experience. And that's really important about the work of the Holy Spirit, is that the Holy Spirit should not be put in a box. He should not be tied down to a method or a model or a certain way of moving every day in our church community. And I believe we are at the, the beginning of something new and fresh. The Holy Spirit is at work in our church in many different ways. More than that, he's at work in our community outside the church. That is where the Holy Spirit is moving and he calls the church to go and follow him and bring the gospel. And it's in different ways. There's the fast work of God, the fast work of the Holy Spirit, which often we see like Simon's story, instant healing, breakthrough, uh, deliverance, salvation, but so often there's the slow work of God, which doesn't get so celebrated in the charismatic church, but is just as vital and important. Sanctification, the nudges of the Holy Spirit, releasing the call of God on our lives, a, a mind that is renewed a hunger, a thirst, repentance, conviction of sin, often the slow work of God. I was at a conference, um, I don't know, it was definitely over a month ago, and this was a conference which they would have found this morning's worship quite unusual and foreign to them. It was, barely any hands were going up in the, in the conference. And many of them would have been cessationists. They, they believe that the gifts of the Spirit for today. And... Um, I just was in heaven. And many people think, well, that's just, is that that's kind of outside your style or tribe or your church? But for me, I've learned over the years, we can experience and encounter the Holy Spirit wherever. You don't need to be in a vineyard church or a Pentecost church to encounter the Holy Spirit. You can be in a, a church which doesn't seem to talk about these things, and I'm still living off that conference. I'm still living off some, some words that were um, exegeted from the scriptures, some conversations that I had, and I've just been buzzing since. And so the work of the Holy Spirit should not be put in a box. And as a church, it's very important that we don't um, focus when we see um, crazy things happen. Say, that's the Holy Spirit, and when nothing's happening with someone, that's not the Holy Spirit. Really important. Holy Spirit is at work in different ways with different people. And uh, we must welcome that. Both are very, very important. 
But if you look at the Bible, um, what you see is that God um, does this kind of work rarely in one moment and one act. If you think about the kingdom of God, which is um, his rule and reign from the future breaking into our present with, in Scripture, successive events and interventions. Just think about this. Jesus being born was the beginning of this new era, the new age. Uh, His baptism and uh, his anointing was the beginning of that commission. Then there was the transfer from John, John the Baptist to Jesus. And that was the kingdom of God being released. And you began to see exorcisms and healings and miracles. And then, of course, we've got the cross of Jesus, where the the day of judgment in the future has been brought in advance. And then his resurrection, which is a precursor to uh, our bodies, which will one day be resurrected. And then, of course, as we read in Acts, the day of Pentecost, that these are the last days. And so you don't see God working just in one moment, that was it. But in successive events and interventions, there's like a layering arrival of the kingdom of God. And it's the same often with how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is involved in in creation uh, with us and the conviction of sin before conversion and then the regenerative work of the Spirit when we are born again and then transformation where we become like Christ and then he anoints us with power to serve and to be bold and to witness to him. And then, of course, the Holy Spirit is at work in our final glorification. So there are many layers, many ways that the Holy Spirit is at work. The kingdom comes, the Holy Spirit works in manifest, manifold ways and successive ways. The point is, to set all of that up, is friends, there is more, so much more than what we encounter and experience now. So much more. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the finest preachers of the 20th century, admired by people from all movements and denominations. He said this, got it all, got it all, then where is it? If you had what the apostles had, you'd have what the apostles had and did. So the Bible and indeed church movements and denominations over the years have named and labeled things differently. If you read in the Bible, you've got the woman at the well talks about streams of living water. John and Jesus talk about a baptism of fire. Paul talks about being filled with joy and love and a fullness of the Holy Spirit. John talks about an anointing from the Holy One. The Puritans, I've been looking at a lot recently, amazing, talks about the seal of the Spirit. Historic churches talk about confirmation. Pascal talks about the night of fire. Whitfield talks about the day of my espousal, which I think is my favorite, and I think we need to bring back that language. Wesleyans talked about a second work of grace. Keswick, a second blessing. Pentecostals call it the baptism of the Spirit. Charismatics call it the fullness of the Spirit. Vineyard, empowered evangelicals, Basically, we don't really care. Just be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the point is, is not what we call it. The point is, do we really have it? The point isn't just reciting it in a creed or theologizing about it. The point is to personalize it. It's not a semantic jigsaw. What matters is that we're immersed in and we are filled with the Holy Spirit. The love 
ablazes in us, that we're endowed with power, that we're immersed in the Spirit. A.W. Tozer said this, no one was ever filled with the Spirit without knowing that they had. And this is the longing of God for his people. And we see this longing for the Spirit to come throughout the whole sweep of Scripture. Um, Ten months ago, we had our baby boy, George, and um, the epitome of, and the climax of all those emotions was when Joni gave birth to him, and it was just the most amazing thing. Those of you who have ever been in the room where a baby is born, it's noisy, but it's like classical music to you. It's just the most amazing emotional experience and why well there's many reasons but one of it is because we had nine months prior to that of anticipation of build-up of expectation of a dreaming of excitement what would he look like what will his personality be will everything be okay all these different emotions and thoughts and they come and they're released in one moment And we see in the sweep of scripture the Spirit's activity building with this optimism, this expectation that God will pour out his Spirit. Right from the beginning we see the Spirit at work in creation and then selectively and infrequently on priests and prophets and kings anointing them and they speak or act in a certain way according to God's will and then The Holy Spirit, the presence of God being in the temple and the psalmist dreaming of a day of power coming. And Isaiah said, I will pour out my spirit on all my descendants. And Ezekiel says, I will put my spirit on you. And there's that beautiful picture, the valley of dry bones, that prophetic word in Ezekiel 37 where everything looks lost and dead and broken. And then six times the key word there is breath. Six times the breath of God comes and brings them to life and they go from a valley of dry bones to an exceedingly, says exceedingly great army and that's what happens when the spirit of God gets hold of a church. We go from dry bones to an exceedingly great army for the king and his kingdom. Joel prophesied that the spirit will be poured out on all flesh and then the silence for 400 years, and then the New Testament, you see such a flurry of activity of the work of the Holy Spirit. You could just start a Luke 1, referencing John the Baptist, who's filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. How many of you are praying for that for your children? That just right from the mother's womb, that they're filled with the Holy Spirit. The angel said to Mary, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, and a virgin gives birth. When Mary met Elizabeth, it says that her baby was filled with the Spirit and the baby leapt for joy. Zechariah was Spirit-filled and prophesied that in Luke 3, the pace picks up. Jesus will come, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At his baptism, the heavens open as that beautiful moment with the Trinity and the Spirit descends on him like a dove, then releases that Isaiah 61, manifesto mandate, which is for us, the church. The spirit of the Lord is upon you and he's anointed you to go and do the works, the same works of Christ. Jesus then breathes on his disciples, says, as the Father has sent me, so I'm sending you. That word again, breath, 
the Spirit of God coming upon them. Luke said, Luke 24, wait in the city. Wait until you're clothed with power from on high. What a, one of my favorite verses. Wait in the city until you're clothed with power from on high. In Acts, the Spirit descends on the church publicly to anoint the church in much the same way as the Spirit anointed Jesus. Peter says, this is it. The Spirit of God comes, this is, this is it, this is that. This is what all the, the longing and the expectation for hundreds of years has come to. This is that moment. And we now live in that age. A new age has dawned. It's the beginning of the end. A new day, a new chapter, a new era has begun. Tomorrow has finally arrived. It says in Acts 2, the fulfillment now of Joel's prophecy. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. The word pour means torrential rain in a parched, dry land. If you feel like your heart and your soul and your life right now is like a parched, dry land, it's like, the world, it's like wilderness right now. I've got good news for you. The Holy Spirit wants to come and pour himself out in and upon you. Like a tropical rainforest, not a drizzle or a shower or a drip, a dripping tap. Nothing that can be brought back in. You can't scoop this back in. It's just lavish. It's so extravagant and generous. It's gone from a few to all. There's a universality of the distribution of the spirit. No respect to background or color. It's not ageist or sexist or racist or elitist. All barriers have been removed upon all flesh. And all flesh in the Greek means all flesh. So listen to me, our God wants to move towards you and I with this extraordinary love and power. And then he instructs us in Ephesians 5 to continue to be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, this isn't one time, this is something you will need all the time. And that word to be filled means a number of things. It means to be um, blown like the wind in a, a direction of obedience. It means permeation. If you've ever got a glass of water and dropped a, an aspirin in there and it, is, it permeates the water and begins to bubble, that's what the Spirit of God does through us. It tastes different, it does something, there's a distinctiveness. When we're marked by the power and presence of God, the church is different to the world around them. And then the third means one of control, not in a domineering way, but one where we're led by the Spirit to do what he wants us to do. This is what the Spirit is doing in and through us as we yield to him every day. So just as we, before we go into ministry, I just want, this is why I, I shared a little bit uh, midweek, and I, I really feel this is kind of like, it, my best guess is saying, this is what maybe the Lord wants to say to us, in Zechariah chapter 4, um, verse 6. This is a, 
an amazing book. It's a prophetic book with lots of visions and lots of prophecy about the return of Christ. It's 500 years before Jesus comes again. And here we find, similar to what we've been working through with Nehemiah, they're building the temple. There's a rebuild happening. And there's lots of opposition and discouragement to the rebuilding of the temple. Because why that was the place, the central place of God's presence. And then this verse is said that this won't happen. And it's a, it's a foreshadowing of what will come. Is that it's not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit that this will be done. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit. And I've been thinking about... Um, We're focusing on the things of the Holy Spirit, like I've just talked about, but actually if you focus on the things of of might and power in our lives, you will know that those are the things that will be barriers to the move of the Holy Spirit. When we're trying to utilize our own strength and our own resources, when we're trying to come to God and to our world with our best gifts and talents and personalities and idiosyncrasies, all of that takes you so far. But where the work of the Spirit really kicks in is when he finds a people who say no to their own might and power, no to the powers of the age and the world systems, and we yield to him. You cannot ask for more of the Holy Spirit without saying also less of me. And when the expectation of God, the fact like the prodigal son, the father running to his people, wanting to lavishly pour out the Holy Spirit, to shed it abroad in our hearts, as it talks about in Romans, shedding abroad the love of God in our hearts by the Holy Spirit, we too, like the prodigal, must run to him with hunger and thirst and expectation and saying, I've tried it all. I've tried doing life in my own might. I've tried doing life in my own power I've utilized all the resources and when we come and he comes that is when you see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like you've never seen before and in Zechariah chapter 4 it talks about a picture of a, a bowl and it speaks of an abundance of power that God's got this bowl and he wants to pour out this abundance of power on the church. But often, sadly, because we're operating in might and power, our lives are more like a colander. The power comes, but it just goes back out the bomb because we're trying to do things in our own strength. And the Holy Spirit is holy. Let's not forget that. So he's looking to purify his people and he's also looking to bring power That is why the Apostle Paul, as brilliant that he was, he said, my power, his power is made perfect in weakness. And he said, I do not ever come with an eloquence of words, even though he's a great orator and a communicator, but I come through a demonstration of the Spirit's power. What is the recipe for a move of the Holy Spirit? It is dependence. It is weakness. It is reliance, it is trust, it is faith. It's not doubt, it's not unbelief, but it is those things. And there's a hunger and a thirst. And let me tell you what it does in your life. 
Has any of you ever been to one of those parks? I'm thinking about P-Zone Park in Scarborough. Oh, no, not that one, Nairsborough. That was it, Nairsborough, where you go on a rowing boat. Who here likes to go on a rowing boat? Two of you. And you, you've, you're right, because I hate those things. In fact, I'm not sure I've ever taken Joni on one, because um, I won't show myself. I'll basically be saying, look, you have a go, when we've gone five meters, because I can't cope with it. But often our Christian life is like a rowing boat, just doing this, doing this might and power and our own resources, our own strength. Yet, what God wants us to do is to be more like a sailboat. Sailboat there and the wind comes and blows us with speed and power and the right direction. And so, in the upper room, they waited. They waited for a long time for the Holy Spirit to come. And I think there's something about this, and we're going to be doing it uh, next year. Uh, we are going to be focusing the culture of the church on mission and looking, taking the church, uh, exiting COVID, uh, into mission. And uh, those who don't know Jesus. And But the first month of next year in January, I want us to wait again. The Pentecostals call it, they, they call them t- like tarry meetings. Tarrying meetings where they wait for the Spirit to come. My conservative evangelical friends will call them more like solemn assemblies I used to go to. But it doesn't really matter again what we call it. The point is, is that there's a hunger and a thirst building up that God, would you move in power again in our time in our day, and I believe that combination punch of God's expectation and our expectation is we will see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for listening to the Whole Vineyard Podcast. We would love to connect with you and welcome you home to church. To find out more, go to wholevineyard.co.uk forward slash connect. And stay up to date with all that is going on in the life of our church, go to hallvineyard.co.uk forward slash church news and sign up for our weekly mailing. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you soon.